Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. We'll begin there today. We're going to talk a little today about following a plan. Things like don't often happen to me this way, but I, you know, I was dreaming the other night, or, or towards morning, I guess, is when you when you actually dream. I don't know. I've heard all kind of things about it, but I I had this dream and it, there was a message laid out, specific message. And if I, I wish I could have gotten up and written it down, I mean, it was scripture, three scriptures, but it, the basis of the message wasn't the scriptures. It was the, the idea of what was behind it. I was preaching this message in pajama pants, and I don't go out of, in public in pajama pants, although some people do. They'll go anywhere in pajama pants, but I don't. I don't go out of my bedroom in those and I'm not going to start doing that but it, this specific message w was for us and for me and for all of us but uh, we're, we're going to talk today about following a plan and in, in, in this specific message that I was preaching it didn't have I didn't have uh, my outline and of course I had my Bible and I was late getting there and I don't like either of those two things and people were sitting around and waiting, and, and I don't like that. So we're going to see some things today that I believe the Lord would want us to see. We see here in Proverbs 29 and verse 18, and we'll look at two different uh, translations on this. In the, the New King James, it says, as you see there, where, where there is no revelation... The people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Now the King James translation for that verse and the margin here of the New King James that I use, this study Bible, says where there is no vision, the people perish. This says where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Happy is he. And we know, also we've studied out, that that word law in the Old Testament can be translated word. This book of the law, this word of God. So we'll study a little further and see. Where there is no vision, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, the people perish. Father, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you, and we bless you. We thank you for your blessed holy word. We thank you for the anointing upon your word. We thank you that uh, your word is true. That you're not a man to lie, nor the son of man to repent. What you said you'll do, what you spoke, you'll make good. We thank you that your word never returns void. But it accomplishes what you please, and it prospers in the thing for which you sent it. We thank you, Father. Again, that we're sanctified and set apart by your word. We thank you, Father, that your love is poured out on our hearts by your Holy Spirit, who teaches us this word. We thank you for revelation heart knowledge. We thank you for a vision. We thank you for organized, orderly lives in the day and age that we live. We thank you, Father, again, for the truth that makes people free. We'll know that truth and a truth will make us free. And we set ourselves to receive this morning from your word. And as we study your word throughout the week, 
In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a lot of people today, many people, Christians included, are live a fly-by-the-seat-of-the-pants type existence, if you've ever heard that phrase. Uh, they live a lifestyle that, 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 you know, whatever happens, happens. Whatever falls into place, falls into place. Not the Doris Day, case or Ross or all, what will be, will be thing, but they just, you know, however the day flops out, you know, that's how their day is. You know, I don't know what's going to happen this day. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, boxes of chocolates are labeled nowadays. Right inside the lid, some of them have all the, the flavors on there. Or there's other little things put inside the box of chocolates. Somebody brought our office a big giant box of chocolates this year. It was just a big box and not as many chocolates as there was box, but they brought that in there and on the lid it was labeled, you know, what this was this and this was that. And if it was something you didn't like, you didn't have to break it in half, see what it was, and then put it back in the box. You know, it was in there. Well, I don't eat that stuff anyway, but you know, people people said, Boy, this is this is a nice giant box, and they looked in there and saw what it was. You know, no teeth marks in any of the chocolate. Lives are, are, are to be orderly. We don't need to live a fly-by-the-seat-of-the-pants lifestyle with no plan, no direction, no goals, no incentives. Sometimes these type of people, in spite of themselves, things work out, right? But most of the time, confusion is the end result. I don't know if you've ever seen that... Uh, insurance company commercial where the where a guy says he's mayhem you know and he and he's you know this this force behind all of the tragedies and things and you know he, one of them he gets on a motorcycle that a guy has for sale and he takes it down the street and dumps it you know tears it all apart and another thing another time he's he's the family dog and you know in uh Thieves are in looting the house and they give him a bone and he's chewing on a bone while they're in there taking everything out of the house and he comes out, runs into the invisible fence and gets knocked. You know, another time he's, you know, driving along with texting or doing something, you know, and he hits, hits something. He's mayhem. That's the way people's lives are when they don't have a plan or direction or a vision. And we see here this says without a vision, people perish. Where there is no revelation. No vision. The people cast off restraint. There's mayhem. You know, winging it doesn't work in the day in which we live. And they, they taught us at Bible school that you shouldn't, and of course we were in youth class, and they taught us that you don't go into a youth class or do any teaching in, in youth. You don't do it in any class. You don't do it for, a, you know, a, a pulpit service, you don't do it in a children's ministry class, but you don't go into a youth class especially and wing it. Well, I'm just going to go by what I have and let the Holy Spirit lead me. You might be able to do that in here because you've got so much in your heart that you want to give out. You know, I've heard Brother Hagin say many times on him, I didn't have any notes, I didn't have any outline, I just went with the Holy Spirit. Or I, I had some notes and I just didn't, you know, the Holy Spirit led me in a different direction. It's easy to do in a situation like this, but you can't get in a group of junior and senior high or middle, middle school and high school, I guess they call it nowadays, children and youth, and, and 
Try to wing it. You can't do that. It doesn't work. You don't go on a wing in a prayer. And they told us of that, and they warned us of that. And of course, when we get back out in the real world, quote unquote, you know, all kinds of things happen. You have family obligations, other things happen, things crop up, people call on the phone, and you might not be as prepared as you want to be. You know, they can see that. They can see through that. Young people are especially uh, keen to that, if you hadn't noticed. They can pick up when you're winging it, faking it, I guess you could say, another word for it, where you're not prepared. Adults can be fooled a little bit more easily. But young people, they're right on it. They'll look at you and I and say, you weren't prepared for tonight, were you? And if you're an honest person, you'll say, well, I'm not as prepared as I'd like to be. Or, you know, you learn how to answer, but, and we've all been there, but it doesn't work that way in the day and age we live. We can't, we can't get by that way. We should have a minimum, each of us, of a general plan for what we want, we'd like to accomplish in our lives. I'm talking about bare bones minimum. We should have a general plan. Specifics are important too, aren't they? Well, of course they are when you get to a certain point. Well, I want to go to college. Well, there's 9,378,461 colleges in this country alone. Or you could study in Glasgow, Scotland, you know, at the University of Glasgow or somewhere like that. No, you have to have a specific goal, specific. I'd like to go to college. I'd like to go for this specific area I'd like to do this and you know I've narrowed it down to a certain few well when you're a freshman in high school you don't have to have the specific college picked out maybe you do maybe you don't but you can you know look down the road but then we we bear in on the specifics but general has to come first right you're going to go to college I remember even when I was in high school way back 40 some odd years ago I know I know everybody shakes their hand, just drips with age, right? Well, 40-some-odd years ago, people were the same as they are nowadays. Folks is folks, right? Somebody would say, you going to college? Eh, I don't know. You know, ha have you done any of your SATs? That's what it was then. SAT was a big thing then. Have you done your SATs? No. Have you, have you gone visiting any campuses? No. Well, you know, this is April. Have you done anything? No, but are you going to go to college? Yeah. Maybe in two or three years. Well, it, it's, you know, the general has to come first, of course, but we've got to bear in on the specifics. Why? Why should we? Because God does. Why should we have a general plan? Why should we have a specific plan? God does. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29. And you'll note that none of these scriptures are any, anything new. Nothing new under the sun, right? We haven't rewritten the Bible. You know, we're going on our 15th year here. So it, there's a good chance you've heard some of this before. So don't get upset if, you, if you've seen this before. We're going to see it again, probably, if Jesus tarries. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. Th this is... Uh, this prophecy here applies to us. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. 
King James says, an expected end, right? Then you'll call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Maybe, yes, no, or maybe. Or wait a while. No, it doesn't say that. It says, I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. It doesn't say when you search for me half-heartedly. It says when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. You won't have to worry about being captive in any sins, in any kind of uh, problem. You don't have to worry about being delivered. He said he'll, he will. He's got a, a future, an expected end for you. He has a plan. But so many people want somebody else to tell them what that plan is. Well, they can't. It has to be between you and God. But he has it. So we get before him. But, of course, the general, like I said before, the general plan has to come first. That's like this dream I was telling you about. You know, the general plan was for me to preach at this particular place. I don't even know where it was. And I was going to do it. But for some reason, I slept in or whatever. You know, I was still in night clothes. But I had, you know, I had the word, enough of the word that I had a three-point message, three points in a poem, you know. If you ever hear me give a poem at the end of a message, it might be uh, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, Mary Had a Little Lamb or something. I'm not going to read some poem from somebody else. Or something that I wrote, maybe. You know. We had a book of limericks we wrote in high school. I don't, I don't think I'd read any of them here in front of the body. But No, that's not going to be three points in a poem. I'm not going to waste time up here giving you poetry from some, somewhere. You can read poetry if you want to. There's nothing wrong with it. But, but this specific thing, gave, you know, I had a general plan in this dream. I was going to preach. But the specifics were, were, was where I missed it. But we've got to see, what is the general plan? Well, there are seven areas of, of things we've got to key in on. And this is not just a New Year's message. This is still the first month of the year, but this is for all time. The general plan isn't hard. So we've got seven things we're going to look at. Number one is, is the obvious. We need to live a life of faith. A life of godly faith. We all have faith in certain things and in certain people, certain institutions. You know, the full faith and credit of the United States, right? Certainly we have faith in our country, in our leaders, in our state, in our leaders, and certain faith in, in the fact that a, you know, that a traffic signal is going to change from red to green someday and other, other things like that. And you have faith in people that you know and people that are good-hearted and, and godly people. But we have to live a life of faith, the God kind of faith. This is a prophecy from almost, it's nearly 49 years ago that Brother Hagen uh, spoke this prophecy. And we, we've read this before, 
but I want to share it with you. It's February 1964, so it'll be 50 years next February, should Jesus tarry, that he prophesied this. Now, see if, see if this has any relevance to today. It says here, I believe if you will read this paragraph every day, your faith will increase and your confidence in God will be stronger. Now, that's the opening statement. Here, here's the prophecy. Yes, my child, I have already given all things into your hand if you will believe. There is no good thing withheld from them who walk uprightly before me. See, this is all scripture. You can dig it out. Yes, I will move mountains to bring to pass that which you fervently believe for. Yes, mountains are removed by faith. So if you will not doubt in your heart and will leave no reservations in your mind, but will say in your mind and believe it implicitly in your heart that God cannot lie, he will not fail to do all that he has said he'll do. Believe it in your heart, Confess it with your mouth. Say it unto the adversary. Claim the words of the living God as yours. And the adversary has to flee when you speak the word of life. For what God has ordained, it shall come to pass. Shall, of course, is the strongest assertive word in that Greek text. Do not be fearful. Trust in the God of the universe and allow him to work out his eternal purpose in your life. That's a plan. That's, that's an eternal purpose. And we've got that. So the, the, the idea is to live a life of faith. Look at Mark chapter 11. You know, here's, here's the basis of Brother Hagen's life and ministry. Here's, this should be the basis of our life and ministry. In, in any born-again, spirit-filled Christian. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. Faith is the word pistis in the Greek. 4102 in the Strong's. Conviction, confidence, trust, belief, reliance, trustworthiness, and persuasion. In the New Testament setting, Pistis is the divinely implanted principle of inward confidence, assurance, trust, and reliance in God and all that he says. All that he says. Have the God kind of faith. Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes, in those, but believes that those things he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. He shall have whatever he saith. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. That's a life of faith. That's the prayer of faith. That's the, the uh, law of faith. And that's the God kind of faith. He said, have faith in God. That doesn't mean, oh, go have faith in God. Don't have faith. It's the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. We have faith in God. We, everybody has a measure of faith the minute they're born again. But we have to live a life of it. Number one is live a life of faith. Number two. Number two. And you've heard this said many times, many ways. Put God's word first. 
put his word first. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. I know that's Old Testament and I know he's a minor prophet. Wouldn't it be nice for you to be told you were a minor prophet? Well, he's got a book canonized into the Old Testament so it's not too minor. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge of what? How to operate a, a computer? Well, no, computers are nice, aren't they? You can do a lot with them, but they, they, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't all have them, right? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge of the Word of God. Because you've rejected that knowledge, I'll reject you from being a priest for me. Because you've forgotten the law of God, I'll also forget your children. Well, our children aren't going to be forgotten. Our children are taught of the Lord. Great shall be their peace. That's what the Bible says. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Destroyed. Well, so what do we do? Matthew chapter 6 tells us what we do. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus talking here. Verse 25. The heading here in this particular Bible says, Do not worry. Therefore I say to you, do not worry. Take no thought. Receive no thought. Take no thought. Don't take these thoughts in as pets and pet them around. Do not worry about your life, what you eat, what you drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? That's a tough scripture if that's all you've ever done throughout your life is worry about where your next meal is going to come from or the next dollar or where the bills are going to be paid. That's a tough one, but you, you have to read on. You have to look. He said, look at the birds of the air. Ne they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Well, little birdies are nice, aren't they? But God values you more. More than dogs, more than cats. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit, one 18-inch segment, to your stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I, yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Unbelievers seek those things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Put his word first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You get the word in your heart. You'll, be, you'll, you'll stay in that righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You'll stay there. You get that word in. All these things will be added. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I talked to, Elaine and I went to visit a lady uh, the other day. And this dear uh, elderly person, uh, she'll, she'll call our office, she'll call at home, anybody's home that she has a phone number, and call and cry and, and, and moan 
and and this is just a, a an elderly lady who has nothing to do but worry apparently so it's it's gotten to a point where we we and she invited us to come so we went you know you can't just go everywhere and, and start talking to people number one they have their own pastors some of them so you you can be accused of proselyting well i'm not going to proselyte anybody you know i can barely pronounce it but you know number two it can be a conflict of interest with my job and 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 going and talking you know about the lord to somebody but if somebody invites you that's an open door if somebody slams the door in your face and says you're not welcome here don't keep beating on the door right you go away and come back another day but she called the other day last weekend and invited us to come so we went but this dear lady is worrying herself to a point where she's she's driving everybody else into it if they hear her voice on the phone they start to worry and you don't know about the living conditions and there's other things that are involved there but I told her about these scriptures and she says oh I know that and she quoted me some scripture you know quoted Jesus on a few things I said do you know that worry is a sin she says I believe that it is I said well you've got to quit worrying so much and I haven't heard from her since that was early in the week last week like Monday I believe nobody's heard from her we'll see again because her, her mind has begun to slip a little bit but you know we, we thank God for the opportunity but worry will put you now that's not going to put her in an early grave because she's over 80 already but it, it can worry will take years off your life it won't add one cubit to your stature. It'll take it away. Put God's word first. Joshua chapter 1 verses 8 and 9. We know this one like the back of our hands. We should. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. Then you make your way prosperous. Then you have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Don't be dismayed or afraid for the Lord your God's with you wherever you go and in Proverbs 4 20 and through 23 my son attend to my words incline your ear to my sayings don't let him depart from your eyes keep him in the midst of your heart their life to those who find them and health to all their flesh guard your heart keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life put that word first put it first We've got to live that, not just say it. Number three, we have to maintain an attitude. An attitude of praise and worship. I know some people, do you know some people, it looks like if, if they lifted their hands in praise to the Lord, that they had a 25-pound weight hung on to it. Or they had a sledgehammer in their hand or something. You know, it's just, it's hard for them to, to worship and praise. It's hard for him to speak it out. You know, somebody say praise the Lord, they're just to say, just as soon say nothing, just to say praise the Lord. Or some other thing come out of their mouth. Oh, I believe they're Christians, but we have to maintain an attitude of praise and worship. You know, the first time you were healed, or the first time that the Lord uh, took pain away from you, or the first time that, you know, you, you walked in freedom or delivered from something, you know, you were ready to put your hands up. 
But some folks say, well, you know, I, that's just not me. I'm just not a vocal person. We have to maintain an attitude of praise and worship. Why? Look at Psalm 34. Right there in verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. That's maintaining an attitude of praise and worship. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Don't boast in yourself, you boast in the Lord. The humble will hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me, delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. This man cried out. You can leave out that poor if you want to. I'm not going to confess I'm poor. This man cried out. The Lord heard him. Saved him out of all his troubles. You might have been poor at one time. You're not poor anymore. You're poor no more. You've heard that song. This man cried out and the Lord heard him. That's male men and female men. And saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him, reverentially respect and trust him in the Hebrew, and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. Reverentially respect and trust him. There's no want to those who reverentially respect and trust him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. Those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Thank God. Bless, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not. That means remember, of course. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, your sin. Heals all your diseases. Redeems your life from destruction. Crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. Satisfies your mouth with good things. So your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Made, his ways, uh, made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord's merciful and gracious. Slow to anger and abounding in mercy. That's the God that we serve. And that's the one that we should be praising. And of course, John 4.23, The time is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship Him in spirit and in truth. The Father seeks such to worship Him. He's spirit. So we have to worship Him in spirit and truth. That's what the Word says. It's an inner, inner thing. In Psalm 22, verse 3, it says that He inhabits the praises of his people. You're holy, enthroned, inhabiting the praises of Israel. We're spiritual Israel. So number three is maintaining an attitude of praise and worship. Maintaining it. Not just going off on Sunday morning or, or some, some church service or, or any time. Maintaining an attitude of praise and worship all the time. Number four is to live in God's peace. We've talked about this at great length, especially through the month of December and the month that we celebrate Jesus' birth, of course. But let's look at just one scripture here. John chapter 14 in verse 27. Commit this one to memory. My peace I, I leave with you. 
My peace I give to you, not as the world gives peace do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The minute that the devil tries to throw something at you to tell you, you know, that's not going to work for you. You're not going to make it. You're not going to get healed this time. You're not going to get that money that you need. You're not going to get approval for that particular thing. That's not going to work out. There's too many things against it. That's one mountain that he won't remove. Put this in his face. He doesn't like this. Jesus said this. He doesn't like anything Jesus said. And Jesus said the whole thing. But this is in red. Peace I leave with you. A direct quote. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives peace. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Number five. Cast those cares and leave them there. We've been over this one too. In the last couple weeks. Cast them. Get rid of them. This is another scripture we gave that dear lady. And Elaine you know, in her, her wisdom, knows how to teach. And she can teach children. She can teach just about any age. And she, she said, did you ever go fishing? And she, she showed this lady how to cast her cares upon the Lord. Casting the whole of your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on Him. Cast them there and leave them there. For He cares for you affectionately, cares about you watchfully. Thank God we can give those over to him. Nothing we need to carry. Nothing. Matthew chapter 11. I know this is a lot of scripture, but I've got a list of them here. You know, we, you, can, uh, you can look at it anytime you want. Jesus said this, Come to me, he said, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you Rest. Rest. We've been over what that word means too. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle. King James says meek. That's a little misleading. He's gentle and lowly in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. He said my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And then in John 16. Verse 33. These things I've spoken to you. That in me you have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But be of good cheer, he said. I've overcome the world. Thank God for it. Cast them on him. Leave them there. Number six. Rely on his wisdom. Rely on his wisdom. James chapter one. There's a lot of wisdom that we all have in certain areas. Certain things that you can do that others can't do. And that, that's wonderful. But as far as the next step you're going to take in your spiritual life, let's let the Holy Spirit guide us in that. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Reproach is... Originally to behave in a juvenile and immature way. Describing youngsters who make fun of and tease and taunt each other. Then the word came to denote mocking, ridiculing, scolding, insulting, and using words angrily or sarcastically. This uh, assures us that God gives without reminding us of our unworthiness. 
If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded, <clears throat> double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Rely on his wisdom. His wisdom. And finally, number seven. We talked about this just last week. Be a doer of the word. This is in James chapter one also. Not a hearer only. Deceiving your own selves. For if anyone's a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. I can remember when I used to look in the mirror in the morning, go away, and think I had dark hair, and come back and look in the evening, and it was starting to turn gray, and then starting to turn other colors, and starting to dissipate. Now, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Being a doer. See, there's general, a general program for us to follow. General plan for our lives. Those are the general plans. Specific areas, of course, are geared to your individual lives. Your individual goals. Your individual visions. You know, without a vision, without a revelation, you know, the people perish. There's no restraint. These things are geared to you individually. Yet, but you have to see yourself strong. See yourself strong. Not like some weak little kitten. See yourself strong. Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren and sistern, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. That's how you see yourself strong. It doesn't say feel yourself strong. You know, I got a big muscle. No, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And he goes on to tell you how. Putting on the whole armor of God. Psalm 27 and verse 1 is another one. Operating in his strength. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Take that to heart. Take it to heart. We have to see ourselves strong. We have to see ourselves worthy. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We've got it out on the board out there. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. That's a good New Year's text, isn't it? A new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How does that make you worthy? Look at verse 21. For he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we become the righteousness of God in him. We're in him. That's how we're worthy. The only thing we did to earn it was to believe him, to be born again. We have to see ourselves as overcomers. Overcomers by the blood. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And the word of their testimony. They didn't love their lives to their death. 
Love not their lives to the death, the King James says. They overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And that word is the word of God. We have to rely on his strength, not our own, to accomplish any goals, general or specific. Look at Psalm 1, and we'll close with this. Blessed, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. This is a good summary scripture here. All six verses. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path or the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law, the word of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And that word meditates of course, in the, in the Hebrew, means to speak, to mutter, to, to talk. Meditates in it day and night. Not just sitting with your eyes closed thinking about it, but speaking it, talking it, and thinking about it. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither. Whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, the way of the ungodly shall perish. We have to avoid flying by the seat of our pants or going through life on a wing and a prayer. Prayer's all right, but don't try winging it. God has a general plan and a specific plan for all of us. But it's up to us as individuals to get before him for his wisdom and be doers of his word and carry it out. End result, you and everyone on this earth that you come in contact with and ones that you don't sometimes will be better for it. Following a plan. Following a plan. He has it and we have to go and find it. Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, and we bless you. We thank you for general plans for us and specific plans. We know that you have them. We want to know what it is for our lives. It doesn't matter whether we're young, middle-aged, or older. You have a plan for our lives to accomplish on this earth. We want to join forces with you to do just that. We want to make a difference. <clears throat> We want to see lives changed for the better. We want to see people in the kingdom of God coming in. We want to see people filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to see people saved, healed, cured, set free, delivered from the power of darkness and translated into your kingdom. So we thank you for the privilege of being your vessels upon this earth. We thank you for leading us and guiding us by your Holy Spirit. We bring the sacrifice of praise, Father, continually, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to your name. We thank you for the privilege of living in a free country where we're free to worship, praise, pray, speak, teach your word without fear of retribution and reprisal. But we thank you, Father, that there might be a time when we go to another country where those freedoms don't exist. We thank you for boldness, courage, and also, 
guidance by your Holy Spirit in all those areas, and especially wisdom. We thank you again for the privilege of being your vessels. We thank you again for the privilege of living in operating in your strength. Now we honor you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for anointing upon it. We thank you for your love poured out in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.